0: disappeared last night. What have you done with him? Funny. I thought you could tell me. Hmm. In your dreams? wee Hmm. I like him feisty. You disgust me. wee uh.
1: No! Go follow her. Then
0: save her for me. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hi, Bartek. How Hi. are you?
1: Good, Ryan. How are you?
0: Ah, oh, you said my name this time. Usually every time I do this... You do the little trick of being like, oh, well, my name is Bartek, but what's your name? And I'm like, it's Ryan. And then we do this little <laughs> dance back and forth. But we are here, Bartek. We're back. We went on our, 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 our Polish Lent mm-hmm. in which we don't podcast for a week.
1: Yep. We haven't brought that up in years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's back. Well, we didn't need to bring it up, but I thought it was... I wanted to make sure everyone knew because they might have thought... "Did." Did it, did it get them? But no, we're fine. The clown did not get us. Mm-hmm. Bartek, where what are we doing? What's the show? What what's all this Polish stuff about?
1: Well, we're doing the PP, which is the cool abbreviation for this show, Pictures Powwow.
0: <laughs> the PP.
1: <pee-pee. laughs> yes, the cool abbreviation, which is PP.
0: I'm pretty sure they have their powwows and teepees. Mhm. <laughs> Look on your face. You're like, what? What? Oh, oh, yes, yes, that's right, Pow
1: Wow, that's a Native American thing. Yes, yes. I, look, I came up with the name of this show. <laughs> I think I know what a powwow and a teepee is.
0: Do you know what a
1: teepee is? I know what a teepee is, but I didn't know that Pow Wow was Native American when I came up with the name. That's
0: right, you're, you're ignorant. So, we're the Ignorance Podcast, we talk about movies, we are talking about a movie that has come recommended by someone. Who was it, Bartek? <laughs> Ryan, it's the person I'm looking at. Wow, I didn't know didn't know Jesus was here, but uh, Jesus, what did you recommend? No, not just
1: worshiping your daddy. Um, no. no, no, yeah, and no, it's not a film that has Christ in the title. We know how much you like those.
0: No passion of.
1: Mm-hmm. No,
0: I recommended the film. I recommended Kung Pow: uh, Enter the Fist. Yes, you did. Is its full title, but Kung Pow for those who know it. Uh, a comedy film from the early to mid 2000s uh for those who have not seen the film just watch it you know it's it's short it's it's sweet um it's it, funny it goes by pretty quickly it, well it's a short film bartek so it goes by relatively quickly so uh bartek since we did that could you give us a quick uh reminder of what what is kung pao
1: so Kung Pao is a comedy film made by... And I've never actually heard his last name pronounced. It's Steve Oedekirk?
0: I think so. Oedekirk? Oh, I don't want to call him Odenkirk because that's a different
1: comedian. Mm. And- yes. Um, and it is a comedy film which most of it is using footage from two martial arts films. And they are comedically dubbed over by him and also... He uses a fair bit of green screening to insert himself into the footage to kind of make... And some others. Yeah, and to make basically a unique comedic story out of existing footage and just, like, reshaping what all these visuals mean.
0: Yeah, so... It is, um, yeah, and we've seen that pick up a lot, haven't we? I mean, that's kind of what uh, the the bad lip-reading YouTube channel does, where Mm -hmm. they dub over something with silly voices and create a new narrative or a new perspective or something silly or something weird Mm -hmm. from it. I mean, one of our favorite little, one of their videos is their Star Wars lip-sync ones where they do the... I've shown you it a couple of times, the one with Yoda singing about the seagulls, and they're always trying to get him, and he has the great line, um, I rolled the big log over and underneath that log it had a small little child, a twig. (laughs) just goes on from there Um, so yeah that's kind of what the movie is but the movie does have a plot Mm -hmm. it's not just here's the the comedic behind the scenes meta gimmick this one actually has a, a hero a protagonist who goes through an arc uh, there are supporting characters, there's a villain, there's a prophecy to be fulfilled, there's setups and
1: payoffs. Yeah, it, it's a it's a story with very typical sort of cliches in terms of a story, but it's all in service of, you know, the, the point of the film. Which is the gags. The gags, the comedy.
0: And that's what this is, right? This whole movie is gags upon gags upon gags. Mm-hmm. There's um
1: big variety of gags.
0: We talked recently about Freddy Got Fingered and that movie was like a lot of gags and a lot of gags. But that movie, in a weird way, is a little bit more interesting to talk about than this movie because there's a lot more with Freddy Got Fingered to talk about. Well, this one is it is basically like this. The guy who directed one of the Ace Ventura movies managed to make a movie like this Hmm. with an actual studio that actually got released and we all watched it that's kind of the most interesting thing about kung pao other than what about these jokes what about that silly voice what about the chick with the one breast like all that kind of stuff is the obvious things but like i do admire the fact that this guy just mm, somehow got this made and we can watch it. And obviously the, the effort of going through these movies and figuring out what voices to add to these characters and what to say over them and what bits to to cut and put together and whether you reference that they're different scenes. And then, of course, the challenges of putting yourself physically in that movie using digital technology of the time, because this movie is actually pretty CG heavy. yeah. Um, which is a part of the humour because it has not aged very well mm-hmm. uh, in that regard, which kind of adds a more of a cute charm to it. True, so.
1: but it also does have a lot of moments where... It's kind of impressive how he's put himself into the footage. Yeah, like, how he, He's not really interacting with most of the characters. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. And then when it does cut to obvious doubles of the original people, <laughs> like the guy who plays Betty in the opening credits, the opening sequence is in the last sequence where he has to fight him. Mm. And all that just keeps cutting to both of the real, like the both of the Bettys, like the one from the original film and the one playing the younger version of him in this film. So it was very distracting but funny. But uh, let's get into our history and relationship with Kung Pao. When did you see this film, if you have seen it before?
1: I had seen it before. The first time I saw it was sometime in the mid-2000s. My stepbrother uh, rented it from, I think it was a blockbuster, and I had never heard of this film before, mm. and it had obviously this very silly title. Mm. Um, and we watched it, and obviously we we enjoyed it. It was a funny mm. film, and it was a unique experience because it was this kind of film that was very clearly trying to be silly. Mm. And he especially would quote it fairly often for a number of years, especially pretty much anything Betty says, and even just saying the name Betty in his voice. Betty. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And then after he returned it, like, I would only ever hear mention of this film like when he would remind me of it so i just Mm. thought like oh this is just some obscure film that no one had ever heard of that he happened to borrow and it was you know Mm. a funny little thing and then you know as you get more into internet culture you see that this is a film that has a pretty big cult following it's one that is it's one of those films that gets quoted a lot because so many of the lines are You know, memeable.
0: Yeah, and they're just, and it's the voices too. Mm -hmm. Like that's a thing. Like, like it's really the voices of the lines because some of the lines are just fine, but then you add the voice.
1: Yeah, definitely for this viewing here, which I think this might have been maybe my fourth or fifth viewing overall. Mm. I'd seen it a couple of times in the last decade, but um. Yeah, one of the big appeals for this one was just seeing the variety of voices. Like, oh what, what voices are we gonna hear that we don't that I don't remember? And yeah, there were some funny ones like, Oh, this guy's got like a southern yucky
0: yeah, dialect. Yeah. That's a lot of nuts.
1: Well uh, that one's memorable. That
0: one's memorable. I think the most memorable outside of the Betty voice to me is because of you the voice that do you know what voice I'm gonna mention that you do the most from this movie?
1: Uh, I know one that I have done a lot. The, Go on. The He's Still Alive one. <laughs> yes, yes,
0: yes, that voice. <laughs> it's not one that I've often thought about, but when I now do think of this movie, I think of you, because you always do that voice when we bring up Kung Pao. I was like, he's still alive, baby.
1: He's still alive, Betty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's risen up the ranks, that guy. Yeah. Because usually I think of Betty and the Master and Wimplow and of
1: course, oh, And all of that, but now I think of that guy. In terms of like one time, only one line characters, yeah, that one just always tickled me.
0: Another voice I really like is the wimpy, um, the mayor of the town that Betty's taken over, the guy whose toe he chops off and then his foot and whatever, (laughs) and he just his kind of wincing voice. Yes, yes, indeed, everybody. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I saw this movie around the same time, a few years after, uh, maybe a year or two after it came out. I remember the advertising for it because I would get rental videos as well, and you'd get the trailers for them, and would watch them in case there would be a movie that would be interested in seeing. Because mm-hmm. remember that. Remember when you would actually sit down and watch the trailers, either because you couldn't skip them or because you're genuinely interested in movies that were coming out or were out? Yes, yes. Because you didn't have the internet to do that for you easily and you weren't old enough or wise enough or cared enough to actually search for movies on your own. You would just sit down and watch the trailers. This one was always playing. And it was always showing the Matrix cow scene because it was, you know, the big comedic set piece scene of, hey, we're making fun of the Matrix, which was by then even worn out, but still somewhat cute because, look, it's a cow doing it, shooting milk at him. And that's what I remembered. And we were all intrigued. My family and I were intrigued because we were fans of uh, Shaolin soccer and Kung Fu hustle. And those, uh, fun, over-the-top, silly movies, and this seemed like it would be in the vein of that, except for this one, Kung Pao is actually made by, you know, Hollywood in America, while those films are, you know, actual, like, Kung Fu Chinese (laughs) Shaolin movies, but they're silly, goofy. Mm -hmm. Um, so eventually we got to watch it, and we owned it on DVD, and it was a staple. We'd watch it all the time, watch it with friends, uh... And we'll all be quoting it, and yeah, you know, it's a classic in that regard. Of you can see why the internet has grabbed onto it because of the voices, because of the absurd visuals as well from the original movie, as well as what he has added on to
1: this. Yeah, and and like the moments where you know, like, oh, this is clearly recontextualizing something from the movie that it originally was, like the master guy. Mm. Uh, clearly is, like, you know, coughing and, like, sick, but in this film he's, like, you know, swallowed a fly and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, a moth of some sort, and, yeah. And, of course, the classic, and then he told me it would be of some gr- of great significance, <laughs> and it would be, like, it would be of great significance, and then he killed the dog, and, then, and like, that whole scene, you know, he just cut it to shit for his version of the movie, but in the original it meant something. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah so I grew up with this I, I I didn't I really didn't know anyone who didn't know this movie as well like it wasn't just me showing it to people I think most people in my general sphere in my hometown, most of them I'm pretty sure knew this movie. Mm. It was just one that really hit our age demographic, and most of us saw it, and if not, they at least heard about it from others who had seen it, so that was something. What about you, Bartek, when it came to that? Did you know many other people in life? Because you, you talked about your your, your your family, but like, uh, and the internet, but w- when you were growing up in high school, or in your 20s or whatever, know
1: many people maybe it's just because i never brought it up in conversation mm. but i don't think i ever really remembered anyone mentioning it like it would always be one that i remembered in my head of like yeah that one film that my stepbrother borrowed once that we watched that was really funny mm. like yeah i wonder how many people know that one but i just yeah i never really questioned anyone about it and i never heard anyone bring it up
0: what about this con? Uh, this whole comedic concept is so appealing of having uh, someone or a bunch of people dub over a pre-existing material. What about it kicks you and tickles that funny bone?
1: Uh, I think with this one, it's the fact that it acknowledges a type of thing that people have enjoyed from a certain type of cinema. Mm. Which has never really been, at least up to that point, um, a draw for people. So mm-hmm. what I mentioned, what I'm talking about here is, you know, kung fu dubs. Mm-hmm. How they have these very kind of silly, unrealistic, you know, feels to them. Like, oh, the the voices aren't synced up. They're very cartoony. They're not natural. They don't look like they would come from that person's mouth. Yeah, this this isn't something that you would like you would have, like, a studio showing you, like, this is high art here. It's something that you, when you watch it, you realise, huh, this is actually kind of amusing, and this film plays into it. So, you know, in a way, it's a type of film that uh, plays into the appeal of some so-bad-it's-good elements, which definitely Mm. in recent years with stuff like Sharknado and all that is much more popular.
0: I get enjoyment from these dub things for two primary reasons one being the um second hand enjoyment of the person themselves creating the dub for it like i think about like how fun it would have been or how challenging but i get amusement from thinking about that someone sat down and watched these without the sound on mm. and figured out what they could say over the voices yeah on a meta level that's that amuses me when i watch the, the them that's one of the main things and then the second thing is especially if I don't know what the original material was thinking about what the original material must have been (laughs) because I get great amusement because this is not what it is. But it meant something to someone one time, and then someone else came in and made it stupid and silly and yeah. over the top. And that brings a smile on my face. The, it-
1: the physical performance of Betty in this film is <laughs> totally from a different type of film.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and I really enjoy that. Like, one of my favorite versions of these is in Australia, decades back these comedians did the dub over of this Australian crime show from, like, the 70s or early 80s called uh, Bluey. That's what the show was called. It was called Bluey. And the cop in it was, like, this big, fat Australian guy with, like, a comb over Mm. hair and a big handlebar mustache. And he was smoking all the time. This is, like, a real show. And they dubbed him over and called him Detective Lieutenant Barjass. And they would just make their own narrative from the absurdity of what uh, yeah, that show yeah, already yeah, you've was. To- you've
1: told me about this before, actually. Yeah. And, and
0: Barjazz was already looking at as an absurd crime show from the 70s, but like a stock standard one. But mm. they just cranked it up by just like, come on, look at this. And that always brought me amusement. And this definitely does, I do get a kick out of this. I also have to say, we have to talk about it. You were talking about these dubs are part of the... Anti-dub culture or non-appreciation for dubs also comes from how we do them for Japan, and that obviously goes into animes. Mm-hmm. And one of the best versions of these <laughs> is ghost, sto- ghost
1: Stories. Yeah, which I think you've seen. I have seen. Yeah, you I haven't. I still need to see it.
0: In which a bunch of people just dubbed over some piece of shit anime and just let them go hog wild and improvise some of them and write some silly things and whatever. But they only had like a few mandates. Like, make sure it's still the ghost that we wrote. Like, don't change that because that's <laughs> an actual, like, cultural aspect that we care about. But the rest of it, you can do whatever you want. So that one's like really over the top and sexual and absurd. Yeah. And I like the varying degrees that you can go. Kung Pao does a very good job of just being light and fluffy and innocent and goofy. It doesn't feel like, uh, to me, necessarily, you, if you were the person who created the original material, would be highly offended. You might be offended, but kind of amused. While with ghost stories, it is very much like... The original is a piece of shit, and we're just going to be vulgar yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, like
1: signing your application for Special Olympics, calling you <laughs> retard. This isn't this, Kung Pao is not a film where a guy is thinking, hmm, the word fuck is funny.
0: No, he's very much like, hmm, wouldn't it be funny if this guy's name was Betty? Yeah, <laughs> and I put a CGI name tag on the guy for several scenes that says Betty, <laughs> and I, you know, I like that. I yeah, I really do appreciate the um. Also, with these dubs. Two, is the level of absurdity because they're having a... Tr- sometimes, not Kung Pao in particular, but they're trying to um, match the lip movements, So you get these nonsensical statements made, but they're portraying it with absolute sincerity, which makes it even funnier when they say weird things because... They're saying it like this is what would have been said, but you know it isn't. It's yeah. it's something truly absurd. And Kung Pao hits that sometimes, but most of the time he doesn't even try to try to dub it properly because that again ties into those bad dubs of these old kung fu movies where it doesn't even doesn't even hit even closely.
1: Yeah. Wherever this film is set, there is no standard accent.
0: No, and uh, the time period is all over the place. I think one of the first implications of that is... Uh... Is it when Betty grabs out a lighter and starts lighting his torch to throw it at the house at the very beginning? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. I think that's one of the very early ones. And he even says, "Mm, lighter.
1: (laughs) That's the kind of character he is. That's earlier than the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of when Chosen was like, I I walked, but I also sometimes drove. Oh,
0: then the narrator. (laughs) Oh, the narrator, that's right. The narrator says, and he would walk and sometimes even drive. (laughs) And he's driving with his dog. Who then sometimes appears within shots and disappears in the next, because <laughs> they just don't give a shit. Um, so, of course, we love the movie, but uh, what are some things that
1: don't work about this movie? Do you have any
0: negative things to say about this?
1: I, I do have a few. Um, this is a film where, when I think back on it, I think of, obviously, the things that really make me laugh, which mm. is a lot of like the dialogue and like the s- interactions. Um, but this film also does have a lot of scenes that are comedic scenes, every every scene in this film's comedic, mm-hmm. um, but comedic scenes where the, the point of the scenes is more, like, action-oriented. Mm-hmm. Like, there are just some times where, you know, I, this, is, this is amusing, but I'm kind of waiting to get to the parts that I like. Like, from the beginning of this film up until, like, uh, what's his name, Master Tang? Yeah, yeah. Up until, like, we meet Master Tang, the film's mostly doing, like, you know, kind of, uh, visual gags and things like that. Once you start having the main character interact with other people, that's really where I feel like the film's really started for me. Yeah, that's that's fair. And then after that, like, you get that interlude with the the cow, and it's, like, going back to that sort of type of comedy, and then it goes back to, yeah, the stuff I like.
0: My My main criticism is... The film has this weird level of timelessness, but also very dated, not just because of the visuals of the CGI dates, but there is some very, like, this is a very early 2000s type joke, but also there's just such a goofy quality that it feels like it's timeless, but then you'll have the cow scene, which is honestly my least favourite scene in the movie, because the CG doesn't look great, but also... It, it is just one of those bits where it's like, oh, and now we're just doing a reference. We're just doing the Matrix reference. Like, it doesn't feel like the movie is heavily referential of like of of other big tentpole movies where they're doing it for scene for scene. Like, yes, it's referencing the tropes and the trappings of the kung fu action movie genre and the hero's journey and stuff. Yeah, the and, elite henchman. Yeah, and I also feel like that with the Lion King reference in the movie, but like, at least that one's like constantly a joke throughout it. Like, yeah, and, and that one's jokes. dialogue.
1: That one's dialogue heavy too.
0: This is just like, oh, we're having an interlude, and it really does feel like it dates the movie, because boy, oh boy, have we seen Met- Matrix jokes done to death, mm-hmm. even back then. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I never found it as particularly funny, as even as a kid. I thought the the gopher chucks and like all of that stuff was much <laughs> funnier. I need gopher chucks. And you get the noises of them. yeah And then you get the close-up shot of it. It's like, you hear the wind rushing as he's throwing it around in the air. Yeah, that it's... stuff was always funnier to me than than that set piece there, which, again, it really feels like maybe, oh, we've got to get people in, we've got to do that in the trailer, but then it's actually in the movie, and it's a big set piece, and it's even in the trailer for the next movie. You know, like, hey, you are l- all your friends.
1: I like the fact that you can say this film has a kung fu fight with a cow, but, yeah, it's, in the first place, not really that great of a scene, and also... It's introduced as establishing this is on the way to getting back to Master Betty. Mm, like, this, yeah. this is in the way of us getting more Betty.
0: Yes, this is. And, and Betty in and that scene is particularly great where he swing, swing, swing his chain.
1: You can just tell that in the whatever <laughs> film that it's from, he was not swinging for that long on top of that waterfall.
0: <laughs> One of my favorite recurring jokes is how he will constantly keep reusing the same shot in the same scene over and over again early on you can tell this with uh was it master tang where he's just like moving his hand yeah, yeah, to yeah. and that it. has the same sound effect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one was really good of course that one's great and then i think the one the most obvious
1: version of this is chosen one i'm coming chosen one i'm coming yeah there's like four cuts to the chosen one and there's clearly only like two shots
0: of her and it's the same vocal thing as well like sometimes he's closer
1: sometimes he's further (laughs) and it's always
0: the same audio i'm coming it's never a different take i'm coming (laughs) it is like a real life on purpose version of samurai cop when samurai cop you had the same voice going hey wait a minute but that was like because it was cheap and
1: shit (laughs)
0: well this is because it's a joke and it's funny
1: yeah but it's also like i said earlier like kind of playing into cheap and shit appeal oh
0: oh yeah 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 um what were some elements of the movie like that that you really enjoyed like some technical elements that they really played around with that got a chocolatey
1: view um yeah just just i guess thinking about like the fact that this guy is putting himself into these scenes, but he's clearly not there. Like, I I walked into this film before starting it like, oh, yeah, yeah, this film does have a few actors. Like, there's the main guy, there's the, the guy with the boombox, there's the main girl. But then I watched it from like, oh, no, the main girl is is stock footage.
0: But then I think there's a fake main girl when he does the... Scene where he's running around looking after, looking at their dead bodies. Mm. I don't know if it's the same chick in that scene or not. I think there's a double in that one.
1: Oh, there's definitely doubles at times. Like any you don't see their heads, that's an obvious one. Of like, oh, sometimes
0: they don't even care. Sometimes they're just like, look, this looks like Master <laughs> Betty, right? This looks like this. This is fair enough. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it is impressive how he manages to do it
1: also, uh, whenever there's just an, an acknowledgement of a lack of continuity, but the fact that it's acknowledged is like, okay. So the two examples I'm thinking of is Master Tang is suddenly in bed in the middle of this scene. And then, of course, the, your clothes are red, your clothes are black. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that that is a classic
0: scene. One of my favorite visual jokes in the movie is actually seen that first act of it that you didn't care for as much before he gets to the real dub-dub section of the movie, which is when the camera would do the, the crash, like the smash cut zoom in, and you'd mm, have oh, that, yeah. that sound effect like, come in you know, the, and I really like that, but one of my favorite little gags in that whole section, is one of my favorite gags in the movie, is once uh, the Chosen One has dispatched that whole army or group of guys and, and that one chick in the bikini who falls over in slow motion, because of course she does, is when he's left with the the head guy of that gang and he grabs out the little pyramid thing and it's like a, again, intense and you have the music and then he throws it and it's like the most pathetic puff of smoke and then the guy just like, his whole body slumps and you hear him go... I don't know. It just really gets me. That I always well, yeah. gets a laugh out of when me. When that man. happened, I'm like,
1: "Oh yeah!" Didn't Ryan really love this?
0: I love yeah. it because you have the whole build up <laughs> to it. Like the whole scene is like already like tensions are high, the stakes are high, and it's stupid. But then you have that, and you're like, "You." Yeah.
1: The fact that he's masked, but you're just imagining what he looks like underneath that mask. <laughs> like, just, oh god! <laughs> and
0: the whole the whole body just falls. Oh god, disappointed. Um, but yeah, I I I don't know. I think kung Pao's one of would you say that this is something that would still hold up today to watch for newcomers for people like us it's obvious yeah because we've seen it but what do you think
1: um if you're going in blind i think it'll still work well if you're going in knowing about like it's cult status and things like that uh chances are you'd be you'd know more about like The the high moments, like I just said earlier, there were a bunch of moments that I didn't remember, which, you know, they weren't as dialogue heavy. Maybe you'd be walking in with falser expectations. Like, I remember, I think the last time I saw this film before doing it for the show today was I was showing it to a friend of mine Mm. who really likes silly comedies. And I showed it to him thinking, yeah, he'll, you'll like this, it's Kung Pao. Mm. And the only thing that really made him laugh was the, you go that way, I'll go home line. Everything else, like, he just wasn't into the not, film. Not the
0: tiny nets.
1: Yeah, I just, that's the only thing that he walked away from really liking. So it was just this weird thing of, like, I guess this film isn't, like, universally appealing.
0: Well, was it like a six point something on IMDb, that's obvious. But, like... In the modern age, too, do you think that this is less impressive? Especially when we have people like this who can do this on the internet now? True, true. Where they can green screen themselves into movies and deep fake and do this dubbing thing as well. Like Maybe we have an appreciation for it because it was rare to see something like this back in 2007 when we were watching it in high school or whatever. Mm. But nowadays... You can just look up some YouTube channel, and they'll be doing this just as impressively, probably, right? So does that that take away from the specialness of this movie, or does it just kind of add some more credibility to the fact that it was doing it earlier?
1: I don't know how many channels are doing things like this, really, and stuff like inserting themselves into the film. Like, I think this film did it in a really impressive way. Like, Mm. I... I feel like it would be harder to do for someone who just has a YouTube channel. This feels like mm. a real studio effort kind of thing.
0: I guess so. I guess so. I, I think there is a level of, for newcomers, this wouldn't be as impressive because there are whole comedic crews of people who are doing this now or doing variants of this stuff. or, or start, and, and also, like there is a level of, and you can tell because this movie's short, of does this even deserve to be a feature length movie Mm -hmm. or is this more of like a fun short experiment thing like with those bar jazz things those were only like three minute shorts in an episode and then you'd go to the next episode and there'll be another one right well this is it's like it's an hour and what 20 20 minutes it's not even an hour and a half
1: almost at the feature length mark
0: so, it gets unbi- on by... Look, look, this none of this affects me. I still enjoy the movie. I still find it very funny. But it is something I wonder as time marches forward when these type of things become a little less impressive because we are becoming more and more familiar with these type of things. Um, I still think it's very good. I still think it holds up very well. I think a lot of the jokes are still as absurd as they were when they first happened, like... Um, you you know, you you got to appreciate there is the scene where he punches through a guy and his congealed body part falls on the ground behind him, and even the narrator says it doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Yes, that's still absurd. And then in the trailer at the end, he's back and he he has a chain attached to that part, and he
1: plug like yeah uses like a flail
0: <laughs> yeah that was really you know that was really funny um what else do you want to say about kung pao in particular any any kind of comedic moments you want to bring up or set pieces or characters
1: um this is more of a minor thing but it does the thing where in the credits it shows you like some extra footage yeah i liked that it had a quite a good variety of different sorts of comedic things to show like it had uh, genuine outtakes. It had scripted outtakes. It had mm. stunt outtakes. It had footage of you know how the green screen worked, like before mm. and after. This is what the film looked like. This is what we did in the in front of the screen. This is how we put it together. Mm. Um, and then you had like little gags, like oh, the cow was an actor, and people get milk from it,
0: or the post credit
1: scene. And the post-credits scene. I I liked that... Just
0: because you cut to black doesn't mean he stopped eating me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I liked that it had a big variety of things to do there. It wasn't just, like, one type of thing. Like, oh, it's the Bugs Life thing of it's all pretending the characters are real.
0: I appreciate, too, that the film... Even though this is a movie where a guy has got some pre-existing material and is dubbing over them... The film making itself, and the editing and the music in particular gives this film its own individuality and character outside of just its uh humour. Like the intro the, the intro music is so like every time I hear that song play, I'm like, ah, oh, Kung Pao, Kung Pao you know, that that theme, the theme of Kung Pao is that like weird kind of uh Indian Bollywood esque techno pop music. I don't even know how to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about? You yeah, know the yeah, one yeah. And I've heard it in other things I'm like Kung Pao like you know, so it has that fun, unique personality outside of just the goofy voices, like the way he will cut the scenes together, the choice of music, the yeah, the, the outro of the movie, like with the credit sequence where he's showing you some real stuff, some fake
1: stuff, giving you lo- little little post credit stuff, like
0: you know, shit like that is really good. Yeah, I think I-, I
1: think one of them was even like the formulation of a gag from the film when he reacted to the that's a lot of nuts scene. He's like, oh, that was really loud. Yeah. (laughs) And in the film, it was really loud. So it's like, did he make the decision right there on camera? That's a lot of nuts. (laughs) Yeah, that's one
0: of my favorite gags is the payoff to that's a lot of nuts, which is why he had to get the nuts, which is to get a squirrel so that it could be... Yeah. palmed and then when he grabs the squirrel out it's squished with his handprint and he puts the nuts on the <laughs> handprint on his back so it can't even grab him and then it like
1: scutters away yeah as memorable as that as that scene was I forgot that it was the ultimate Chekhov's gun
0: yeah I mean it's late into the movie too yeah he just left with
1: nuts <laughs> I like how he called him "baby" in his middle line. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> um, we got to talk about our favorite character, Lowe, the best character ever put to a film. In which, you know, in the original film, he was like some character, like a real character, but in this, mm. <laughs> the whole joke is he's a loser. Who thinks that, uh, who's been trained wrong, he's been trained to think that losing a fight is winning. Mm-hmm. So every line he has is a reference to that mentality yes, he's when, been when he gets, trained with.
1: When he gets punched in the face, when he gets punched in the groin, when he bleeds, that means he's winning. Yeah, yeah. If you got an ass, I'll kick it. <laughs> You've got an ass,
0: I'll kick it. <laughs> and his voice, is, and, his, and he's got these squeaky shoes, so you always know when he's coming. Yeah. Because you always hear them, and his final scene where he dies, and the squeaky shoes happen, it's still very funny. I particularly like with Wimplow, one of, one of my favorite moments is, and this is again to the absurdity of the dubbing. Is for this one, he just the, the guy dubbed over the action he was doing. So Wimplow's hand raises and his finger points and he says, My finger points. And it's, just, <laughs> it's really funny because it's like, Why did he need to say that? And you know the meta reason because, well, that's what he's doing. I'll make sure to
1: point that out. <laughs> like So he's pointing it out. My
0: finger points. <laughs>
1: A lot of the best gags in this film are just when the dialogue. Just mentions what is happening. Like, I'm swinging a bit less and swinging a bit more. Oh,
0: we'll get to the ventriloquists. Mm quests. That's one of the great gags. But um, with Wimp Low, one of the great gags that we often talk about is the end of him where he gets brutally murdered and you have the whole sequence where the chosen one is running to the master and then to the girl and then to his dog and they're all like doing their death rattles and die and then mm-hmm. they're like hey
1: where did you go and then he runs to them and they're still alive it's this long scene where he has to see them in order they do their final <laughs> death scene then they do the scene of them oh they're still alive and then they're like chastising him for why he ran away it was just
0: because <laughs> I went Ugh. And they
1: play the exact same footage again. I forgot about that gag when Dolly (laughs) saw I'm like, oh, that's great.
0: One of my favorite gags was with that scene is the dog is smiling and happy while he's playing dead. And then he's just like, don't worry, girl, everything will be okay. And then it zooms in on the eye closing and the, and then he goes, no, it it won't. And he runs away. And then the payoff to all that is he's like, oh, everyone's still alive. Then surely blow and he runs over and you just, Hear the flies on his corpse, and the look of he's, like, he's already oh. rotted. He's like, ah, oh, oh right. And then they walk away. We never hear about Wimplo ever again.
1: Well, and as we learn later on, the master was just left there.
0: Oh yeah, he was just left there because he's not important enough. Yeah, Wimplo's one of those one of those great ones. Um, the ventriloquist. What are the ventriloquists, and why is that so great?
1: So there's a scene. It's um it's set after master betty thinks that the chosen one is dead but before he finds out that be- that he's still alive <laughs> um he-, he and a group of little goons uh, <laughs> little, g- little group of goons uh <laughs> approach these two men who are walking with like building materials or something one of them has got a bucket and these two one me- of them has got a stick yes and these two men are not talking that it's just footage <laughs> of them walking um but clearly steve Odekirk decided hey i want these guys to be saying be things. saying things even though they're clearly not saying it uh who who speaks without moving their lips well ventriloquists do <laughs> let's have them sing a song about how they're ventriloquists to justify the fact that i can give them some dialogue <laughs> and of yeah, course like
0: used in the action as well where one of them's like doing their head just so his lips aren't moving and he's like I'm the chosen one, I'm behind the wall! And Betty's not talking much through the scene either, and he's like, you can't fool me, I know about ventriloquism. <laughs> it's
1: just like, okay. And of course, some of the lines that they have in their song goes back to the thing I was just saying. They just- mention things that are happening like oh i'm holding this thing and i'm holding that thing i'm the tall one i'm the short
0: one (laughs) you know like and then of course they get brutally murdered but actually not they're they're just hanging upside down swinging one of them swinging a lot more one of them swinging a bit less and they sing about how they're doing (laughs) that yeah. And it's one of my favorite gags and I, it's one of the ones I think
1: I bring up the most yes, whenever we yes. talk about it I'm like we
0: are venture linguists I
1: I remember I remember the initial song and I remember like the gag but I forgot <laughs> like everything else about it like they have a fight scene they they have a reprise of the song they, <laughs> Yeah I always think of the reprise yeah, yeah it's like I swing
0: a bit more I swing When a bit more. the swing <laughs> thing happened
1: I'm like oh yeah there's a reason why Ryan brings this up a lot this is pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> We got to talk
0: about I think Outside of Betty, one of the most popular things of the movie when it comes to the dubbing, which is his girl voices, which is, of course, with the lead girl, where she just goes, when she's excited, she makes random noises, and one of them is, and the other one is,
1: 98% of the time, it's, (laughs) and then we meet a character that's her dad, who also has his own version of
0: it. (laughs) It's so good. Why is that one something that's lasted? I don't know. (laughs) I think it's just because it is as absurd as it needs to be because it's the classic thing of he's not only... And this may be a sensitive topic for some people too. Mm-hmm. You got this white guy doing Asian accents a lot of the movie. That may be offensive to people. I don't know. I think the tone of it's still
1: funny well, enough. One of the one of the Asians is clearly like southern. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That. But you know, he does
0: a lot of the typical, a- yes, know, stereotypical yeah, stereotypical Asian accented noises, like you know that mm-hmm. the Fu Manchu type thing. And then with her, it's it's the same thing, but it's driven to insanity where. She's now just going oh, wee, wee, wee! over and over again, and it's also I think it works because just seeing what that actress in that real movie looks like and seeing her make those noises for some reason I believe it. Every yeah,
1: whenever you see her face, she's clearly giving a sort of solemn performance. <laughs> Like, she's never overly, like, happy with, like, a wide face. With her or, curls yeah. On her face. And even when she's upset, you know, she's not, like, weeping, but, you know, the voice that he gives her and the actions he's implying by the voice, she's, like, bursting down into tears.
0: Chosen one! <laughs> <laughs> she's just one of those great voices, because it's also, like, whoa, the un- one, o- one of the only female voices he does in the movie. I think it's, like... The mum at the beginning, I think he does a little the bit. The lady
1: that rolls him down the hill. Yeah, she's like the only- pro- Oh, that's another great voice, yeah. too. But so <laughs> cute. Bye-bye. That was <laughs> always the thing that I remembered after my first viewing, just like that moment. But yeah, after that scene, after that intro, and in fact, after the credits, like that's the only female character we get, really. And she sounds like,
0: and she's crazy, yeah, too. It's, it's
1: the man doing a falsetto voice.
0: And it's always very fun. It can be always very fun, at least. And in this, I find it particularly fun. we got to talk about Betty. Betty, he's still alive, Betty. He's still alive. (laughs) Where do you
1: even start with
0: this? This is the ultimate teardown of what was originally a sinister villain, right? Yes, a sinister villain whose
1: name was Master Pain until he arbitrarily (laughs) decided that he wants to be called Betty. And then for the rest of the film, there's no mention of Master Pain at all. It is just Betty.
0: I do like that uh, <laughs> that someone misgenders the name or calls him Pain, and and then the chosen one's like, oh, he goes by Betty now, and they're like, really, Betty? He's like, yes, that's what he goes by. Okay, Betty, it is, and they like have a whole conversation <laughs> about it. Yeah. What do you think the original Master Pain Betty was in that movie? Because I I don't know. Like he has these like metal like triangular like pyramid mm. things and in the original one they do have to rip them out of him to kill him like that bit at the end where he's like the blood is
1: spewing out that's from the actual movie that's not from this movie when you asked me that question, I was just thinking of everything except that element. But now that you bring it up, it's like, yeah,
0: like what was he? And like, was he, well, obviously he's not working for aliens, which is what this movie does. Where it's like French those, aliens. Those are attached to the aliens that are in pyramids that spin around in the background of scenes sometimes to let you which, know that it's building up to a payoff. Yes,
1: which which were foreshadowed. In fact, the person that foreshadowed it brought up the fact that they foreshadowed it.
0: Exactly, exactly, but. What do you think when you when you see that? Because they make a big deal about it in this movie, but you know that with the with the shots, they made a big deal of it in the original movie. But I don't know what the original master Betty was supposed to be in that real movie, other than
1: bad guy McBad Guy with gimmick. But like, I don't. I wonder. When was the first time we saw the metal things on him? I'm pretty sure you see them. Well. Well, that's a great question. Is it like when he's getting attacked by the four guys? Do we see it there? Yeah. And he's like invincible.
0: And they try to grab him. And yeah, he just like hangs them off. Yeah, I think technically (laughs) you see them in the younger version of him as well. Right. But that's footage shot for this.
1: Yeah, maybe he's like a. Maybe he's like a really proficient martial arts guy who even after he lost some limbs, like, he replaced them with metal and it only made him stronger.
0: I wonder if there's actual mysticism in the original movie that they're dubbing over. Because they add hmm. it in the dub, and they add, like, aliens and shit, but I don't know. I don't know. And that's one of the things I think about with him, because you can tell the guy who plays him is playing him, like, I'm the real sinister bad guy, but then you have Steve Odekirk who who makes him sound so silly... And that's kind of what uh, the guys from South Park did with Kim Jong Kim Jong Il mm-hmm. in Team America, right? Where you get this sinister figure, but you give them like a really goofy, effeminate character and voice, and you add all of these little quirks to them <laughs> that makes them really
1: weirdly humanized, and it makes them more pathetic. I think, because the opening of this film mentioned that it takes it from two different films. Mm. I think one of them is uploaded on YouTube somewhere.
0: Right, right. I can't remember if it's two different films or if it's like, it's a one film, but its English name is known as this.
1: I think in the beginning, the two films it named, one of them had an English name and one of them had a Chinese name, so I'm not right, sure. Right,
0: right. Why would you describe Betty's character that he gives him?
1: Um. So obviously, Betty is the villain. He is the strongest. He is the the threat that needs to be taken down. He has his cool iron claw hands. He's he's got iconic iron claws. Um, he uses them uh, on chains. So he's got he's got ranged moves. <laughs> That's one
0: of my favorite jokes, by the way, which is when the master's dying on the ground and he says to the chosen one to like, you know watch out for his claws and whatever, and he's like, because watch really- out for when he plays that song about the
1: big butts. He, he hurts, he, he hurts. You and kicks your ass while he plays it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yes, he, so he's, he's a threat, um, but in terms of the characterization, obviously since this is a gaggy comedy film, they give him a lot of qualities that undermine the menace. <laughs> very childish things like the fact that he has a nap time the <laughs> fact that he uh, makes on the fly decisions about like now you will call me betty
0: the fact that he feels like he's just realized what object's permanence is that's one <laughs> of the things like he re- childlike is a great way to describe him like yep. childlike and especially with the voice especially with moments like Bertie.
1: I was yeah birdie, I, was literally, birdie, birdie. I was literally about to bring up the bird and the tiger. <laughs> yeah, he's like reading these scrolls which clearly have some sort of significance in the original film but for this film it's just every time he looks at a different animal on the thing he'll just like say what it is.
0: Yeah, and also Betty one of the comedic things is just how matter of fact and blunt he is this comes to a head in the famous scene where they hunt down Master Tang and fight him and you have all the guys pretending to be animals like doing the noises and he just goes I'm just another birdie too <laughs> <laughs> and then you see the look of concern on the master's face like hmm and then he goes back to you know the Lima goes cow goes moo <laughs> like whatever that was <laughs> I also like how shamelessly this movie does um, product placement by just saying that they're doing it in lines of (laughs) dialogue. That was really cute and funny. Yeah, they just had
1: a song about product placements and they mentioned things.
0: Yeah, and you have like banners in the background saying
1: hooters and shit. And then as soon as the song ends, you get a funny line. I'm here to kick ass.
0: What do you get when you cross an owl (laughs) with (laughs) a bungee cord? My ass. <laughs> the amount of pause. He had to wait. Such long you pause. Had, you, had, you had to wait. He <laughs> had to wait for the lip movement to
1: start again. You had to wait yes, this, for this full minute. Yes, this that particular shot cared about lip sync. Unlike. <laughs> Unlike the scene before it, where the guy was like, who is that? And the guy gives a really long answer. With I don't know. With no- saying absolutely nothing, and then at the very end, I don't know. And one of my favorite guys with lip sync out of sync is when the dog barks, and you don't hear it, and then it comes in out of nowhere. Yeah, they do that, like, two or three times, and one of them, they just wait a really long time. Like, the dog's already lying down and, like, going he barks, to sleep.
0: lays down, goes to sleep, and then the bark happens. Yeah.
1: Master Betty is the
0: enduring thing because we always get a kick out of seeing a villain made to be stupid and silly like there's there's, there's just a, the the interesting Dichotomy there, right? Of seeing like imposing villain, all in black, murdering people, and then you have goofiness over the top of that. Like sometimes not even Betty has to be goofy; it's someone around him has to be goofy, and it makes Betty goofier. Like, like for instance, like when everyone's coming, when he's coming to town, he's beating up all the people, and you hear the mayor of the town being like, eh, "We're so pleased that you've come to our town, and you're beating beating up our poor villages, Master <laughs> Betty." <laughs> master pain yes (laughs) like that is really great or like the guy who's just like hey what's going on they just hit him it's like oh Jesus (laughs) this goes on from there but yeah the Betty of course he also plays um, modern day music when he fights you which Mm -hmm. is always fun yep and he has his his uh, henchman With the (laughs) boombox that's always there, that Mm -hmm. they CG
1: put in. One of the other
0: actors. One of the great characters. And of course it all climaxes with the Chosen One throwing his little ninja death star into it, and it's now stuck on um, Black Betty, the song Black Betty, which Betty does not look pleased to hear, which is great. (laughs) I love that. That's a great touch. Of course, one of the things that also we got to talk about with Betty that's great is just the noises and the laughing that he puts on this guy, which is just a lot little... of. When he gets injured. <laughs> when he's dying at the end. <laughs> my tummy.
1: I hurt my tummy <laughs> when he falls down. <laughs> I, I really like when um just like a child <laughs> after the 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 river fight scene when he picks up the, the little baby booties and he goes momento mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one I
0: also I I do appreciate there's a great moment of uh, playing with the film where where he's hunting down the master in the in the whatever the fields and then when he finds him there, he throws his iron claw hand at him and the film pauses and the masters are like (laughs) all right so there were two options that were ahead of me with this one i could have swung you know i could have dived to the you know to the left done a swing kick and kicked him on the ground and then live or take the claw to the face roll over and die should have gone with the first one and just plays out he gets hit in the face and dies (laughs) it's it's (laughs) and you know that steve odekirk and crew were watching that original movie and they were thinking why didn't he just roll (laughs) to the left and kick him and not die
1: and then they were like what happens if we put that in the movie (laughs) where they we comment on that that would be great i think for this film more so than it's a film you watch when you just want to laugh it's a film that i watch when i just want to smile yeah it it really makes it just really makes you smile just all these silly things that they wanted to do and they got to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. it's endearing in a lot of ways. Uh, mm. We're going to talk about Woe. Oh, yes, that's right, yep. Do you want to talk about Woe? You seem like you just forgot about her. I would remind you by saying <laughs> Woe a bunch of times and gave you a look like... My look said, you know, the chick
1: with one tit. Yes, yes. I, I was just remembering, like, okay, well, which Chinese name character was that? I was like, <laughs> oh, it's the one where the woe is, like, for Um Yeah, so there's a character in this film named woe who mm. has a, a few gags about how she's going to be important later in the main character's life. In she, the sequel. She straight up says, in the sequel, and I think she mentions it a few times, like, you've got to make sure the sequel happens. Um, yeah, she's... She, she's really not in the film all that much but so she's memorable she's memorable she's got she got one tit as you said in the center yes right in the center just a big little lump there big um,
0: little lump there
1: is that the sequel to the big little lies tv show <laughs> big little lump there um she's one of the other like actors for kung pao she's not from an original like thing that they're taking and she's footage the from. Only one who
0: does her own dubbing
1: and she does... her Yes, that's right. She does her own dubbing. He doesn't do hers. Yeah. And uh, she, she... Yeah, she exists as that kind of cliche thing of... Um, I, I guess... Sort of mentoring the main character. Like, oh, if, if you she think... She just tells him you need to do the main character duties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think you can defeat him, then she have no problem beating me and they have a bit of a fight scene.
0: Yeah, that was fun. And I like how she flies away. And she gets <laughs> stuck in the tree and she, like, meows like a cat. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so silly I liked um, with Woe as a character it is just that moment where you're like and you thought it couldn't get sillier but then it got sillier because that was like he had just been knocked out after asking these guys to beat him up
1: remember that whole sequence <laughs> yep where he tried to do the same thing that Master mm. Betty did but Failed. It completely failed. <laughs> and then she comes out of
0: nowhere, and then she comes back later in the movie as like a little thought bubble, being like, "Don't forget about me. I need to be in that sequel. Don't fail. Think about me." Of course, we we also have to talk about the end, where the end of the movie is Master Betty works for the evil council, and the evil council are in fact French aliens mm-hmm. that live in pyramids that's fly in the air and tonguey we haven't even talked about tonguey
1: yes it's the mark of the chosen one
0: tonguey mm-hmm. which is a face on his tongue which has its own tongue with yeah, its own mouth and eyes i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> and nor does the master in the credits
1: yes so in one of the serious outtakes the the master with his dubbed voice <laughs> after every single take is like i just can't take this this tonguey <laughs> At least stop with the winking. <laughs> stop with the winking. And then the shot happens again and he winks still.
0: And he's like, "Ah." Yeah, tonguey is one of the greatest gags ever. Where it doesn't happen too much, but it happens enough. And the fact that he has to feed tonguey is also not not I don't like that, but Yeah, uh, that part talking. that
1: part was like, a, "Oh, where does the food go?" <laughs> In the tongue. Yeah, into the big part that's on the bottom of the mouth. That's where it
0: digests. mm mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, tonguey tonguey is one of those things where you know this is something he likes to do, right? Because he has a whole series of thumb videos or th- shorts where he reenacts... Steve Otakirk reenacts movies but using his thumb. Oh, okay. And he puts the eyes and mouth on his thumb. So you have Star Wars but thumbs... It's a thing, I guess, you know, it's something to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he put that in this movie with Tongyi, where he's like, instead of my toe it's a Tongyi, which is great. I love Tongyi so much. Ay that's all he says. <laughs> Ay <"Ay-ay!" laughs> for no reason. Um is there anything else you want to say about
1: Kung Pao? It's a it's a cinematic classic. I think after a certain point, we were just gushing about things we'd like about the film. It's one of those. Yeah, it really is. There's very
0: little to complain about, very little. Like, I wish there was more interesting behind the scenes information. It is just very much like this guy worked in Hollywood for a little while, made a couple films here and there, and then they just let him make his own thing. It's not as, like, bizarre or weird as, like, Freddy Got Fingered, where they just handed all of this money to, like, one of the most shocking, weirdo, bizarre comedians you could. Yeah that didn't earn the right to make a movie like that, and then he made, like, that movie. least it's like, yeah, of course this guy made Kung Pao. Of course he did. I mean, I do appreciate that uh, they allowed him to have the resources to sit down and go through the film and grab out the scenes and, you know, all that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much else to say other than I do recommend it if you haven't seen it, and if you know people who haven't, it's definitely worth uh, a watch at least once. It's, it, it is... it is it uh, is it is one of those great films.
1: Yeah, have a watch of it, pick out some lines you like, quote them around. With, if you watch it with friends, quote it to them and you know, just have fun little memories of lines and do funny deliveries. Yeah,
0: exactly. Do your own Master Betty voice.
1: Do do your own uh, lines from iconic characters like the guy who tells him that that's Betty's th- that's still alive.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I One of my favourite line deliveries from, uh, from Owee Owee, that's what I call her, <laughs> is you should be able to defeat him now.
1: Oh, she, <laughs> now she keeps getting more
0: and more angry about it. I said you should be able to defeat him now.
1: Yeah, and, and just, like, for funny little moments that just come out of nowhere, there will things that you don't expect. Like, oh, what accent is this next guy going to have? Like, after the Wimp low fight, mm. a guy comes in with this, like, really, like, hooky, oh, like, southern voice, and it just made me laugh because I wasn't expecting it. Or the random weird
0: insur- inserts, like... uh you know, her shyness will pass, and then it cuts to an insert shot of a woman flashing her breasts and her bra, and then it cuts back to the original footage, and then he's like, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps
1: doing that in the movie. Yes. That's one of the weird gags. But she doesn't want you to think that she's a slut.
0: Yeah, she doesn't want that. Uh, yeah, recommendation, uh, definitely. Bartek, are you ready to hear the movie that is... For next
1: episode. Yes, it is the Listening People's Choice episode.
0: We did this before, where our last one was a podcast fellow who recommended a movie ages back, and we've been in a tug of war, and we didn't get to have them on for that episode. We've got another one of the exact situation, same situation, which our good friends over the Dem Fancy Dinosaurs podcast, who haven't actually podcasted in a while, come back, guys, we miss you. Ah, it's this Um, recommended ages back and i've been trying to get them on but it's you know the world's been crazy uh, i've been so, waiting to
1: have them on for this film
0: i know but i just can't wait
1: fair enough i can't guys it's been two years i yeah i need uh, to see this film eventually
0: super mario bros or bros the movie bartek's been playing some mario brothers recently so you oh, yeah, can actually oh, yeah. attest to how accurate this film is yes to mario brothers
1: <laughs> Super Mario Brothers different to Mario. Yeah, I've I've seen that in the mid '80s there was an anime film for Super Mario Brothers, so I can compare it to that. An anime, anime, an anime film. Did did Mario have like the big eyes? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, did, look like Mario. did did Peach have the tit physics? I don't think there was much bouncing, if that's what you're asking. So not a real anime, then. Okay, okay. One of those just Japanese Yeah, It was for children, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Just for children. All right. I don't believe you. So, will we talk about the classic Bob Hoskins movie, Mario Mario, with his good brother, you know, the other Italian brother, John Leguizamo? <laughs> Luigi. Oh, they are adopted in the movie. They make a point of that, so it's okay. Spoiler, Ryan. Spoiler, Dennis Hopper is in
1: the movie. I haven't had time to see it. He's King Koopa.
0: So we'll be talking about that. Barzek, a pleasure to talk to you
1: about a movie. Where can people find us on the internet to talk to us? You can find us in various places. We are on Facebook. We have a Facebook uh, page. Named Spit and Polish Presents. You can find us on Twitter You're looking up the same name. Mm-hmm. Um, our episodes are uploaded onto Podbean and from there distributed to all sorts of different uh, mm-hmm. channels. You can go to, uh, not iTunes, what's it called, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. I think we're on all of them. Yeah, baby. A lot of them, even a random Spanish one. Uh, and you can contact us directly at any of these places, or you can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com.
0: Ah, uh, you did it, Bartek. Congratulations.
1: Yay! Congratulations. We're also on YouTube, you can comment.
0: You can comment there, subscribe, thumbs up, hit the bell as well. <laughs>
1: Yep, <laughs> and if you time travel, rate us five stars.
0: Yeah, rate us five stars. Uh, well, that's it, Bartek. I think we need to end the episode. What Kung Pao quote do you want to end the episode on?
1: Uh, all the ones I really, really like, I've already quoted this episode. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah,
0: there's just there's just too many too many to get get
1: in. I, didn't I end the last episode with? Uh, the I'll go home line. Yeah you did but yeah. we can't do that again. I know. We you can't. shot
0: yourself you should have waited for this I episode know, I, but now
1: I, you shot yourself. I feel like I've done that a few Would times. Would you like some sausage daddy? Uh no that was for last week.
0: <laughs> yeah that's where, that's where <laughs> yeah, you, ended. you ended. You ended last week's with a quote from this week's movie we end this week with the quotes from last week's movie because I don't know any from Mario Mario to end this week's episode. I, I know bob <gasps>
1: A monkey! <laughs> oh that's right yeah. We know some of the Dennis's lines.